And we are recording live from Swamp Ass Canal in beautiful Sunny Slope, Arizona, dude. Welcome to the fucking Sweatshop Podcast, dude. We get 103 degrees in here. I'm going to change the name of the podcast. It's going to be Shirts Off Podcast. So for all of you that are out there right now watching, dude, about to give you a little show, dude. Get you tickets to the fucking gun show. But really what you're going to see is I'm going to take my shirt off. You're going to see pepperoni nipples and a Brillo pad on my fucking chest, dude. <laughs> because it's not pretty when I take my fucking shirt off, but it's hot in here and I'm mad. And it just might happen, dude. It just might happen. So fucking stay tuned, dude. All right, let's fucking get into this thing, man. Chad, you're swearing a lot, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm hot. <laughs> I'm hot. There's no, the AC's not running. I was on the roof. That's true. Thank you for looking. Jesus, dude. All right, man. Ooh, got to get centered for a second. Plugs. Butt out vapes. Butt out e-cigs, dude. They're hooking it up. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. You get on there, you get an online order. It's going to ask you for a promo code. I'm going to tell you guys a little secret right now. You're going to put in the promo code last week out, one word. And what are they going to get, Anthony? They're going to get 20% off their entire Your purchase. entire purchase, Hardware. dude. Hardware. Vape juice. Juice. Coils. Uh, cotton, right? You, you need can, that. You can get a sandwich. They got food on there. Yeah, they sell uh, NOS energy drinks now. Yeah, they sell NOS energy drinks mm-hmm. along with pastrami sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Swiss cheese. <laughs> Literally anything you want from Butt Out. Anything you want, you can get it there. You get 20% off your order, and you're supporting the podcast. So get on there and get your stuff, dude. Get what you want, dude. And for our listeners, maybe tuning in, because Brian is uh, blessing us from New York. If you're in New York, you could you could even get it there. They ship within the nation. I think even across the world. David, am I right in that? Yeah, all mm-hmm. 50 states. And the world. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, watch out for those porch pirates, dude. Make sure you're checking your package, dude, because there's people out there stealing packages right now, and it's it's not good, dude. Get yourself a ring, so dude. when they do steal it, you could at least watch. And then them. Ring's gonna contact us because we're promoting them, and they're gonna fucking mm-hmm. they're gonna give us money. <laughs> ring, 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 ring. Hello, yeah, we'd like to give you a bunch of money. Okay, <laughs> let's get to it, dude. A couple introductions here. We got we got our other plugs too. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, dude. We got a fucking, that lo-fi banger that plays before the fucking podcast. That's DJ Devin Hancock. Follow him on Instagram. And all our dope-ass artwork is by Sissy Art, dude. All the fucking banners, all the logos, all that shit's coming straight from her, dude. Straight from the heat, These bitches are so upset. Dude, they are fucking upset right now. And it's crazy as fuck, dude. But just, if you like that kind of shit, you can reach her on Instagram, dude. And she does all kinds of dope-ass shit. So, okay, dude, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Cue the music again. No, I'm just... Oh. Yeah, here we go. Okay. And then, so, I'm hot. I'm trying to just... My brain's melting. But there's one thing that I do know, and that to adjacent, next to my left, is Anthony Tatum. Yep, I'm here. He's here. And you guys already know what he does, dude. I get this I'll ship go going. as deep as you'll let me Yep, he does that. As deep as you'll let him, dude. He will take you on a journey, <laughs> on a spiritual journey, dude, and he will only go as deep as you let him. I'm a gentleman. He just, he truly is, dude. David, fucking David Slack, dude. He's on the ones and twos, man. 
He's doing some really important stuff right now, dude. I think he's up there. Is that right on the camera? If I point up there? Yeah, I think he's up there. You see him? Give him a little know. smile, dude. Hey, twirl yeah, that, I bounce around twirl that, twirl that <laughs> mustache for them. Myself, yeah. yeah, we got some fan mail that said they want to see you twirl your mustache more often when you're doing things. So go ahead and do that for us, dude. Then you got me. You know what I'm saying? I'm fucking... I'm Chudzy Wubsy, dude. A.K.A. Just Chad. Okay? <laughs> That's my actual name. But you can call me Chudzy. I don't care. That's how you follow me on Instagram as well. We got a special guest. Say that about all our guests, but all our guests are pretty special because we're doing a pretty special fucking thing here, dude. Um, and we are going to get... Fucking dude. I never even asked you your fucking name. It's Brian, dude. What Holy are you kidding me, dude? I, nev- I saw him so many times this weekend in passing. Came in here. Never asked him his name. I'm offended, dude. He made me feel bad when I got here. Why? I was like, I'm Brian. Nice to meet you. Like, yeah, dude, I've seen you like three times. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I'm a fucking piece of shit, dude. I'm a fucking... All right, toot, let me take toot, this toot, over. Toot, let me take toot. this over. Hold on, dude. I'm not fucking done yet, <laughs> Okay, dude. okay, okay. Keep going. Like I said, Sucks like I bad. said, dude, we got... I'm going to talk louder than those stupid fucking drops, too, dude. Sucks Believe bad. that shit, dude. Listen, we got a special fucking guest right now and I know some of our listeners out there who are you know part of the dude are you serious <laughs> sucks bad don't do that don't you ever do that again go ahead don't ever do that again dude we got people out there part of the catholic matriarchy that are probably gonna be pretty upset that we're using a lot of curse words right now and you know what fucking it's just what it is dude so just you know <laughs> That's it. We got a special guest. His name's Brian. He's not from Phoenix, Arizona. He's from fucking New York, dude. He came fucking here just for this podcast. He was not here for any other reason whatsoever at all. He's just a special guest, dude, and we fucking flew him first class across the fucking continent, dude, to come fucking film a podcast today, dude, and that's what we're going to fucking do. Chad, just tap me. That means I can jump in. Don't fucking tell people that, dude. So let's God all take a it. breath and just center ourselves from Chad's swearing. It is hot in here. It is very hot. So we came over to the studio this morning, and uh, the studio happens to be at David's house. And uh, David's been at a convention all weekend, and we walked in, and it's 89 degrees in David's house right now. And uh, there's not an AC fixer in the lot of us. So we sat out in the living room for a while. Our good friend came by and took a look at it, and guess what? It's not fixable. But we just decided to truck right through that. So Brian, thank you for... Uh, persevering the heat with us. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We're not going that deep, though. No. <laughs> well, hey, uh, you know, let me, you know, we'll just like play around and we'll see right. where it goes. You know, don't just don't count count it out yet. Okay? We'll, we'll, we'll try just the chip tip at first. Yeah, a little bit of foreplay, a little bit of foreplay. We're going to open things up, get the capillaries flowing, okay? So are you from New York? Yeah, I'm from uh, Saratoga Springs, New York. That's where you're born? Yep. No kidding. What is Saratoga up north? Yeah, about two hours north of the city. Okay. Are you the product of a of a couple siblings? Yeah, uh, four sisters, all older. Yeah? Yep. So oh, the only boy. All hot too or what? No. Come on, <laughs> dude. Chad, what's... Just excuse Chad. I don't know what he's doing here today. It's hot. Yeah, it is hot. So he's, he's out of sorts. Um, so four older sisters. Yeah. Okay. Uh, parents both there yeah my dad left when i was like six so it was pretty much just me my mom and four older sisters wow man you were six what's your who how old is your oldest sister she is oh, 
hopefully she doesn't listen, like 52, like 13 years older than me. Okay. So she he left when she was already like out of the house. Yeah, like she moved to California like 18, like right when he left. No kidding. California dreaming. Hell yeah. Do you remember, uh, do you feel like you know why he left? I mean, <clears throat> I think a lot of it is alcoholism. Um, he was an alcoholic? Yeah, definitely. Just, you know, like not... Yeah, I don't know. He just, when he was home, he wasn't present. So, like, him and my mom would fight a lot. And But I think definitely alcoholism. Yeah. So, the first six years were kind of rough. Yeah, really rough. No kidding. Okay, so dad moves out and you guys stay in Saratoga? Yeah, a little bit south of Saratoga. Pretty much Saratoga County. So, yeah. Yeah. You just So, did you go to middle school, high school, all of it out there? Yeah, all at the same school. What do you guys do when you're kids? You play hockey? I did play hockey. Yeah? Yeah. What uh, position? Defense. No kidding. Do you just assume that people from New York play hockey? Well, it's what you do up north. <laughs> when I went up to Minnesota, I had uh, there was neighbors. There were four girls. All of them played hockey. It's like the sport to play. You yeah. know? How, you how many play beach, beach volleyball? Yeah. <laughs> Minnesota and New York are pretty much exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, I mean, hockey's badass, man. I played lacrosse when I was out in Georgia, and I feel like if hockey was an option for me, I would have absolutely played it. So anytime people are from a, anywhere that where you get snow, I just, you know, ask. But that's rad, dude. So you played hockey through high school? Did you play in high school? Yeah. Uh, up until like 10th grade. I dropped out of high school at like 16. Okay. And what was your last day of high school like? <laughs> Do you remember? Like it? the day you dropped out. I actually, I decided to drop out. Um, my sister lives in Gilbert, Arizona. And we took a trip to go visit her for whatever reason. I think it might have been Thanksgiving. And I decided on the plane ride to Phoenix that... I wasn't when I got back. I wasn't going back to high school. <laughs> <laughs> I got a very similar story like that. Actually, it's completely opposite of that story, but it's the same thing. One day, it hit me like a fucking thunderbolt, dude. I was like, Nah, yeah. I'm not gonna go back to school, dude. It's not gonna happen. Oh, I finished. I finished strong, dude. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a genius. <laughs> so uh, for you're you. so humble, dude. You're so humble. It fucking makes me sick. Um. So you dropped out. Here's what I do know about you, Brian, is you're currently out here for a convention and a recovery convention at that. And our podcast wasn't aimed, even though mo all of us are in recovery and most of um, the people that we're really, really close with are, you know, when we started this thing, the goal of it was to bring people on who can kind of share about overcoming whatever adversity mm -hmm. and drug addiction is absolutely a huge one. You know, and, and it's good to have people on who are in recovery and can speak to that because I think it's really pertinent with everything going on currently. For you, um, were you already using, and I, and I segue that with saying, so you started, obviously there's drug addiction in your history. Yeah. Was you dropping out of high school a consequence of using drugs and alcohol? Yeah, definitely. I had my first drink when I was 12 and, you know, it just... From there on, like I was smoking weed like that week, yeah, uh, like daily user within like two weeks. So who got you? Uh, who got you weed? Older kids? Yeah. So the first time I drank, my sister, had, my older sisters were having a party, and uh, like I hit it off with her older friends, and one of the dudes there, mm -hmm. he wanted me to sell weed to the junior high. So. Mm, he looked at you and he saw potential, dude. <laughs> yeah, he saw potential, dude. When you first started smoking weed, and this was my experience, did you ever have the thought like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life? I did until 
it like turned on me and I had my first anxiety attack when I, when I yeah, smoked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I OD'd. Like, I never want to do that again. I OD'd on weed once, dude. <laughs> I don't even know if that's possible, Edibles bro. Edibles? No, it. we were just smoking a bunch of weed, dude, and I fucking, like, I drank some cold water and then I just started violently throwing up, dude, and then I just fucking passed out. I mean, that's that's the desired effect. Yeah, yeah, that's what, <laughs> what kind of weed were you guys doing, bro? You bro. had an anxiety attack and you threw up an overdose, dude. Yeah, yeah I went I, to In and Out and weed. then uh, Krispy Kreme. Yeah, I watched <laughs> a lot of um, kid shows longer than I should have. Probably that was about the worst effect that weed had on me, for sure. So for you smoking weed and then you dropped out of uh, high school, what do you do? You get a job? No. So like when I <laughs> no, when no. I dropped out, I was like, "This is probably the most embarrassing thing to admit." But I was like a really into fish, and the band. Yeah, I oh, like yeah, followed dude. them all over the country and took you know took a lot of acid and yeah, I think I had like delusions of like selling bur- veggie burritos for the rest of my life or oh, something. <laughs> I don't know. And then I you- drew that currently. <laughs> Hey, you were telling me a story about one of your uh, your, your times taking taking a bunch of acid. Why don't you tell us that story? <laughs> so veggie burritos. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> Chad, do you like that, dude? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So I like it. Uh, I used to. So, like, I, I honestly, but like. That was I thought that when I dropped out of high school, like two weeks later, I was like, I don't really like fish anymore. Um, yeah. So I had to find a new crew. <laughs> These songs are really long, dude. Well, you still wanted to sell the veggie burritos, though, right? <laughs> I think I probably got a job at like Burger King or something. Hey, we can go first. get some veggie burritos after this. I know the spot. Dude. <laughs> That's sweet. So, uh, acid story, dude. Yeah. I was asking about it. So care to share? I was selling acid, you know, career plans, and um. <laughs> The markup on that is great. Though. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I got like ten <laughs> sheets to sell, um, and we sold them like three days. So we were pretty psyched about it. And um, I had one sheet left, and three of my friends helped me. So I was like, "Yo, we're gonna go up to this lake by my house, and we're gonna split this sheet so twenty five hits each, and we're just gonna go party." Um, you guys catch that twenty five hits each? Oh yeah, I caught that. <laughs> so no, I don't need. What does that mean? You need one, maybe two hits when you're doing acid. Oh, really? So they're they're sold in like by a hundred, and like usually, yeah, you sell that to like eighty people, the hundred hits, and we decided to do it with four people. So (laughs) the bad planning was, I guess most people think taking twenty five hits is bad planning. Yeah, that Um, sounds awful to me right now. The bad planning for me though was, I took them before we got to the lake and like got a hotel. And we got on the highway, and like a mile and a half into our journey, I blew a rod in my car. And oh, that's terribly unlucky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that has nothing to do with the acid. That's just circumstance. Yeah, life happens even though you're on acid. It does. It doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> it should suspend life. Yeah, but... dude, it should be more courteous. <laughs> Does it not so know that you're 25 hits God, of acid? You're so in? insightful, Anthony. Dude. You, dude. Life doesn't stop when you do acid. Oh, my God. Don't, we'll make stickers soon, guys. Don't worry. So the rod blows. Yep. So we just, I'm on the highway. Like So we just kind of gingerly go to the shoulder, and we just started booking down the, the off-ramp to get away from whatever was coming down as quickly as possible because, you know, like, the car's dead. Someone's going to come and, like, stop and see what's going on. 
So we just like ran and we ended up in like a park like two or three hours later. And um, <laughs> the police came. Um, I didn't notice they came, but every, my friends did. They were gone and um, yeah, they found me doing snow angels under a weeping willow tree. But it was August. So. <laughs> <laughs> the cops found you. Oh, yeah. I want to just I want to recap something real quick. So normally, when a car breaks down, you sit on the shoulder of the road. It's totally fine to sit there. But you guys were like, "Oh no!" and just started running away. Yeah, In I mean, the, the idea of cops was beyond me. Like, just the lights from a cop car was scary as hell. Like, forget <laughs> the actual cops coming. But or you know, like anyone else. So we just had to get out of there. But yeah. So the cops come, your friends scramble, and they find you making snow angels. Do you go to jail? So I didn't go to jail. I was detained. So they, I didn't have anything left. You know, like we knew we were taking 25 bits of acid, so we weren't bringing anything else with us. Um, but yeah, no crime here. Just a man enjoying the outdoors. The, uh, the public intoxication, I think, is what allowed them to detain me. I was oh, also wow. like 17 years old. Um, yeah, and you're a fish fan. Like, it, they knew. Yeah. They could smell the veggie burritos. Uh-huh. <laughs> Patchouli was but everywhere. Yeah, just oh rubbed all God. over. These fucking socialist kids, dude. <laughs> yeah, so they detained me. They brought me to the police station, like, searched me. They, I was handcuffed into a police desk for about three hours in my underwear. Uh, and they're Where'd like, your pants go? They strip searched me and like didn't oh, let okay. me put it back. On. I thought maybe you were making the snow angels just in your drawings. <laughs> that would be better. It's a good story. Yeah. Okay. So, do you know what happened to the other three people on acid? They just had a weird night and then, well, like a weird like three days. I ended up at my friend Bob's house, like kind of where we all should have went. But I mean, snow angels are pretty cool. Yeah. No, that's a good. One. <laughs> So do you, when, now that you're, so you're, are you traveling around with a band? Like you had said that, but does your, uh, acid taking and all of that stuff just move you around the country? Were you a nomadic? No. I mean, I would follow the band when they were on tour, but I'd go back home when it ended. Where was home at this point? Still the same place. Still in New yeah. York. Yep. Okay. But you were telling me that you were out in California at some point. Was that a part of your recovery journey? Yeah, I've lived, so I've lived in Florida, Arizona, and yeah, when I got so, I went to California to get sober. So I've always wondered, how do you, when you're touring with a band like that, how do you get money for the tickets that are so expensive at each show? So we'll go back like five minutes in this podcast, and I was selling nine sheets of acid at a time. (laughs) Uh, But if you're going from state to state, how do you, where do you get your supply from? No, I mean, I'd leave with a bunch and just sell it as I go. Mm, Got it. Nice, dude. And we live in the sell dream. veggie burritos. We buy like a bunch of cokes and sell cokes at the in the lot. You know things like that. Just little hustles. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what does life look like pushing forward? So you, how old were you at, at around this time? Like in your twenties? No, like sixteen. Oh, sixteen. Now you did say that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So what does twenties look like? So I kind of got it a little bit together and um, went to community college for a little bit. And then got into I got into one university, but um, it was kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and it was just just drinking, like no distractions from drinking. Mm-hmm. So like two alcohol poisoning. Later, I was asked to leave the university, and then went to a different one, University at Buffalo. 
At that Buffalo, time, low, never ducking low. What <laughs> <laughs> is happening? <laughs> so, uh, for not a you, thing that's, there. No, you've never heard that before, <laughs> that is, Chad. Say. I heard someone from Buffalo say that. <laughs> He's the only guy, dude. So, um, shout out to White Claw, dude. Casey <laughs> Setlock in Buffalo, New York, girl. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening right now? So, um, did you have ambition? At that time in your life, like, what were you hoping to do with yourself? No, like, my goal when going to community college is just to go to a four-year school to, like, join a fraternity and, like, you know, try to... Not to get a degree. Just join the fraternity. just to be, just major in fraternity (laughs) life. Yeah, just kind of push through. Hang out with girls, drink beer, yeah. Yeah, keg sands, date rape, normal stuff. Yeah, exactly. I am so sorry to our listeners right now. I don't know what Ch- Chad is just on one right now. I know not to let Chad get hot ever again, dude. I'll make sure to bring ice packs next time. There's day rapes are not happening at the college, I hope. We do Jesus. not condone day And if rape. they are, we'll just call the security we, uh, guards. Yeah, we absolutely don't condone any so, of that shit, but it happens, dude. You, uh, you listen to Sublime? <laughs> listen to Sublime, yeah. Are you... Uh, <laughs> Are you dropping out of school like your first year, your second year? What do you do in the university? Um, I don't know. The first like year and a half, I you know, I'd like pass like two classes with a B and like get like two incompletes. So I just like kept it going a little bit. And then like, I think year three, uh-huh. I just got a 0.0 and decided that was probably it. I've, I stayed at the fraternity house like one semester after. I dropped out, which isn't really cool. Yeah. It's not like a pickup line. Like, I don't go here anymore, but I live here. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> awkward. You don't want to be that guy. I knew that guy when I was at college. I was like, why don't you go get a job or Anywhere something, else. dude? Yeah, well, he, he keeps getting older, but the girls stay the same age. Matthew McConaughey was at your school, dude? <laughs> um, so did you get a job, or were you still selling drugs? What were you doing? Yeah, like wait tables, uh, sell some cocaine here and there yeah um but yeah when i left there i was like all right like things need to change you know like kind of get the idea that like drinking and like just being a fraternity bum wasn't like the life so i I left there and moved to florida and took a job with a computer company and had you had experience and you because you told me before the show that you do it now yep so when you were a kid were you like into computers and stuff uh, no, like we were pretty broke, so that wasn't. It. I grew up in the '90s, so like, if you were a computer, you had a computer. You had have money to have yeah. a computer. So, but just at college, I just got into it, and it just made sense to me. So, okay, so you get a job out in Florida. You said what with the computer company? Mm-hmm. How'd that go? It went pretty good. Like, well, you were selling cocaine. That's a good place to be on cocaine. Yeah, I wasn't selling cocaine when I went to Florida. Oh, okay, um, I like I literally thought like I'd go down, and I didn't think I'd like stop getting high or drinking or anything like that but I thought like I'd get some you know like some bit of control mm-hmm. and like start being an adult yeah and yeah it didn't work out too well yeah trying to implement functionality mm-hmm. what happened in a nutshell out there so I was down there for a little bit um and then I like the girl from college I decided to like move her down and like we were gonna start a life and do all that and uh you know like so there's a lot of pills in Florida so um a doctor gave me Xanax, and I think Xanax happened in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember yeah. what happened after that. So, so how long were you there? Um, we were together. She, uh, we were together for like two or three years in Florida, lived together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the 
<clears throat> being on Xanax and like having a girl that like is depending on you for love and attention and all that stuff like those two things don't really work out <laughs> <laughs> so did you stay in Florida after it didn't work out I actually moved back to New York for like three months to kind of get away from the whole situation but when she moved back she was from Long Island New York so when she moved back to New York I ended up going back down to Florida with some friends and getting a place and went back to that job yeah okay and take me through kind of what transpired next, man. It sounds like there's about 10 years that we need to get through, huh? Yeah. Um, you know, just, just stuff like that. I moved to, like, there was a bunch of hurricanes in Florida, so I came out to Arizona. Um, I had a sister here, and she said, said I would like it. It's warm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's for sure that right now. <laughs> and, yeah, I got so I got, like, really into um, mixed martial arts. Started in Florida. And when I was a kid, I did martial arts. And um, when I got out here, it was like kind of taking off here. Like, um, you know, like there was a few gyms in Tucson that, that like guys ended up being in the UFC before like 2006. So like before UFC was like a huge yeah, thing. Yeah, super hype. So I thought I could do that. And um, yeah, I was all right at it. Like people said I had talent, but um, you can't really do that when you're drinking all the time and taking Xanax all the time. How serious would you drinking in Xanax at this time? Drinking in the morning? No, I, I had been drinking in the morning and I kind of got it to like a normal level of like drinking at like eight or nine o'clock when I got home. Like How were you doing down. that? Just like setting rules for yourself? Yeah, well, so I, I think I got on the Xanax because I, was, I had a seizure at college when I tried to stop drinking. Wow, man. Yeah. And so like when he gave me Xanax, that kind of got me through the day. So I no longer needed to drink when I woke up, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, more like, and it wasn't like social at this point either. Like I was like 25 or 26 only and it already had stopped being a, like a social event. It was like alone by myself after like the daily events of like mm -hmm. work and going to the gym and stuff like that. Okay. So you're, uh, you're out there and you're, you're jumping into Mission Market Arts, or where are you, in Tucson at this point, or in uh, Mesa? So I was in Mesa for a very short time, and I got transferred down to Tucson, and yeah, it started there, and then um, just kind of being alone out here, I ended up going back to New York after like a year and a half. Just to be around the family again? Yep. Okay, and where are all your sisters during all this? So I have a sister in Gilbert, um, I have, so... At the time, two sisters back um, where I'm from in Saratoga Springs and one sister in Boston. Okay. And so you move back home, you stay with them for a little bit, and then does your alcoholism just quit? <laughs> I wish. Yeah. <laughs> does it work like that? <laughs> um, no, yeah. So uh, I, I was doing the mixed martial arts thing a lot, and well, I was getting injured a lot because I wasn't taking care of like the, the diet and the exercise part of it. So I was getting injured a lot and um, I dislocated my elbow one day and you know, the doctor gave me Vicodin and Dilaudid and this is probably like right in line with like when that epidemic started. And um, <clears throat> yeah, like I just knew at that moment, like, all right, I'm good with this MMA thing. Like that's not gonna work out and I'm just gonna explore this Vicodin thing. You never had opiates before then? Maybe like here and there, like right. mainly when I was drunk, I'd take a couple of Vicodin, but like, um, that's when it was still social. Mm -hmm. So like, this was the first probably time I experienced it when it was like more of a necessity and it wasn't like a social thing anymore. So were you getting it just from the doctors? Yeah. At the first. Yep. For how long did that last? 
<laughs> there's another fun one. Um, so I ended up in a few years, I remember probably like two years going into this, I ended up with a doctor who had um, flexible morals, we'll say. Okay. And uh, Those are the best type of doctors exactly. when you when you are looking for them. Yeah. And um, so I don't think either one of us sought out for this. I got introduced through my fiance at the time. Um, and it was like her family doctor for, so like there was some trust already there. Uh-huh. And I just started asking for pain meds and I, yeah, I, he just gave them to me. You know, like I, I lied about having different things and he, he would just keep giving to me. And then he, he knew I was an IT guy and he was doing this like new um, system in his office and he needed help with that and he couldn't afford it. So I was like window and um, jumped in it. and you know, within like a month of that, like he's just writing me scripts every time I go to his office to fix something. And, you know, I no longer need to make appointments and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That's crazy. Yeah. Service call, dude. So yeah. And, but I ended up like blowing it like after, and I mean, it was nice. Like he would just write me like 20 scripts a month of opiates, benzos, speed to get me going in the morning, sleeping pills. Um, and then after like two years, I was going to Albany. Um, so it was like two hours from where I, where I was, that hookup was. And I was there for like five days and I brought what I thought was going to last. Um, but that lasted one day. So I had been in his office alone and stolen a script and thought that like, I'll never, I'll never do this, but I'll meet somebody that would do this. Right. And, uh, but I got sick. And I was two hours away. It was Saturday. So I forged a prescription at CVS. Man. Leave it to a, a person who's hooked on drugs to take a really good thing and fuck it up, dude. <laughs> Throw it away. You had a beautiful thing going there. So what ended up happening? Did you Were there any repercussions for it? Like, Legally? Is he going to hear this and be like, oh, that motherfucker? Well, so he, he figured it out because he cut him off. Yeah, so... Uh, the next, so the next day, so I did it at like nine o'clock at night and my sister was also employed at that company and the pharmacist that filled it knew me. Yeah. So she knew something was up, but she called the doctor the next day. He said he didn't write it. Wow. He didn't even try and cover for you. I figured he'd cover for you and then just. So he kind of did. He called me and he said like, I'm not going to press charges for you. I hope, I hope you get well and um he had to continue writing me my script for xanax because you can't just stop that right like legally um for two more weeks and then he said find another doctor by then but so i went that's when i went to my first detox because my family was like you know he's not pressing charges but the state of new york can press charges right that's what i was gonna ask you i'm surprised that the the cbs or the state couldn't pick that up yeah somehow they never did but i went to detox with the thought of like all right, like I need to. Get, they everyone told me I needed to get ahead of it because if the charges were coming, like I needed to be sober at that point. All right, well at this point, man, and we're 31 minutes in. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll come right back, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back. Brb, that's shorthand for be right back. Ooh, it is hot in here. That's really hot. hot.
to you know small let you guys know it's uh still very hot in here but uh i drank a seven up and i ate some pretzels and we talked about some cool shit but it's time to fucking get into it dude okay Not going that deep we're going deep dude it's time to get fucking deep because here's the truth of the situation man i'm sitting across from you and i'm talking to you and you're a good fucking dude and you're telling you are dude and you're telling us about your wife who's four months pregnant you guys just bought a fucking house your life is way different than the person you're describing right now mm-hmm. you know and you were talking about doing all this crazy shit and forging fucking prescription pads and just being a fucking piece of shit dude absolutely and that's not the case because a piece of shit doesn't have a fucking haircut like that or a nicely trimmed beard like that either dude that's all I'm trying to fucking say dude Chad, you haven't said a single sentence without swearing, dude. You think, oh, <laughs> really? Oh, not one. Oh, I've been counting your, it. Are your headphones working? You can hear what I'm saying? Oh, <laughs> that's real nice. So, first trip to detox. Yeah, it, it didn't work. <laughs> I really, though, I really wanted to never do drugs again when I went into that detox. And um, no intention of ever doing it again. But I found out like two days outside of that, like if I want to do drugs or whatever, that doesn't really matter. You know, like I just, it was something I required to live. And, um, you know, from there it just got really, really dark as that does when I lost that connection. Heroin came in pretty quick after that. And, I think heroin addiction looks like heroin addiction regardless of who's got the the problem and it just got you know really dark to all the the horrible things of like doing all the you know ruining your family um just you know I was telling them earlier like my sister at the end was like anytime she heard a phone call at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night or any later than that like the phone rang she would just have an anxiety attack Mm -hmm. because she was waiting for that phone call of like Brian's no longer with us so it just got really dark, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a ripple effect. Yeah. You know, and I don't know about for you, but um, in my experience, it was like, I remember um, when I first got sober <clears throat> and the cops were raiding my parents' house, right? And uh, they're like going through all my mom's stuff and her underwear drawer and they're like flipping stuff upside down, right? And she's like crying. She's having a, And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, what the fuck are you crying about? <laughs> this is happening to me. Yep. And I'm just living in this fucking, this like selfishness, this selfish idea of like, this is my life, not yours. Why do you even care? And was that your experience? Did you feel that way? Definitely. Um, like I often say this, like the last lie I had and I was a, just a liar, you know? And um, the last lie I had was I was only hurting myself. You know, I thought that this was only happening to me. I like still kind of had a job Um, that I'd show up mostly for and um, so I figured like I could pay rent and you know like this is only half like this is only affecting me leave me alone like let me do this Um, no idea that things like that were happening in the background Um, and after a while I just I couldn't live like that anymore so I had a suicide attempt and uh, again thinking that only would affect me thinking that like my family would you know like cry for a few weeks Mm -hmm. and move on um, that I hadn't been there for so long, like it wouldn't have any lasting effects. Like I could just do this, and and they could go about their lives, like you know, after the funeral or whatever. That's so crazy because in that moment we feel like that's a honest thought, mm-hmm. like that's an honest reaction to me ending my life. 
They're going to cry for a little bit and then everything's going to be fine. <laughs> I'm not hurting nobody but my body. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's never, I've never heard of it in a way of like the, like the last lie I told myself. That's fucking really powerful to hear. Because when I first heard the term, I'm not hurting nobody but my body, it was from a documentary of Mac Dre. So in the immortal words of the furly ghost himself, dude, he was like, I'm not hurting nobody but my body. And I just fucking lived by that, dude. I lived by it, man. But going back into that ripple effect, dude, it's like, now your life is positive. Yeah. I mean, you've been sober for how long? Seven years now. Holy fuck, that's a long time to be sober, dude. Mm -hmm. So now your life's filled with positivity, right? Mm -hmm. And And what's really cool is the ripple effect of being sober, now my life has been this this negative tidal wave, right? Like I fucking make this big splash and it's just negativity throughout all different areas of my life and my family and just, it's all fucked up, dude. But now I'm sober and I'm making these positive splashes. Is that your experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like it took a while. It wasn't like overnight. and But after a couple of years of, of getting it together, like, you know, I got to I got to move back from California to New York and I, you know, like... I finally started becoming like a brother um, at the age of like 36 and like for the first time I was actually a son and I could like, like I get like carried away today like my mom will call me and like her garbage is full but like her hip hurts but she's older and like needs help taking it out and like I'm like yeah absolutely like I'm on my way and I like will literally get like choked up because I get to like go take out my mom's garbage at like nine o'clock at night, you know, because her house stinks or whatever. And like, there's some fucking people out there, some fucking toots out there that have to do that kind of stuff because they still live with mom and they're fucking resentful about <laughs> it, dude. And they don't fucking realize how powerful and how unselfish that actually is and how positive that can be for yourself, dude. Yeah, definitely. That's fucking beautiful. Well, man. what was, what was the aggregate of your change? How did you finally change? So the suicide attempt, um, you know, like, I couldn't hide it from anyone, you know, and like there was legal ramifications and, you know, like they were, I lived with my mom, so she was going to kick me out. I still had my job, so I was kind of hanging on to that, but they were like, we're going to tell your boss what's going on. So like I ended up, my brother-in-law paid for me to go to California rehab and, uh, you know, after a while of, of being forced to go to like 12 step programs, like it finally caught, you know? Yeah. You drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah. How quickly did you start feeling better? Mm, like six months or so. But like, I felt better than like being a hopeless suicidal heroin addict. So like, I think like I felt a lot better and it was amazing. But like, I don't know if I would like, for most people looking from the outside, I doubt it looked too good. I was like still living at a halfway house for like my first two years, um, $10 an hour job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I couldn't, I didn't get a driver's license until I was like four years sober. So, like, it took a while, you know, and there was, like, a lot of sacrifice. But, um, you know, after, like, two years, I got to go back to New York and, like, work for the boss that, like, employed me before, you know, like, be when I was getting loaded. And um, he was just, he was just an amazing guy. And he, you know, I've been able to make that right. You know, like, the hours that he paid me for just being, like, you know, half there or barely there or not there, um, I get to make that right. And he was at, he's actually been the, he was the officiant in my wedding, you know, like. I do. Yeah. How long have you known your wife? Um, we met um, three years ago. Yeah? How'd you guys meet? <laughs> Match.com. Oh, yeah, dude. The internet. <laughs> farmers <laughs> only, dude. You won't be lonely at farmersonly.com. <laughs> Woo! 
<laughs> so you guys went on a couple dates. When do you know that uh, you're gonna make your wife? Was it a uh, the long game, or you knew pretty quick? Yeah, like when if and like so. If people told me this story like before I met my wife, I'd probably hit him, you yeah. know, and make fun of him. But literally, she I was already at the restaurant. She came in. We hugged. Um, to greet we'd been talking for a few days and um, she sat down and I looked in her eyes and like I just knew like right then I just knew like a little voice popped in my head and was like this is the last girl you're gonna be with and I was like dude, cool dude match needs wow. to get a hold of you man <laughs> you, you need to give some testimonials there they'll sure. pay you you need to get sponsored uh, yeah, by match no, we'll just clip, uh, <laughs> clip everything before this dude and we're just gonna send this out um so you and your wife have been together for three years. You've been in recovery. Yep. And has it just been an uphill climb pretty much? And, and when I say uphill, I don't mean hard. I just mean like uh, positive. Yeah, definitely. And like that was, you know, like I struggled. Like I said, you know, like I, things didn't come back quick. But when I met her, like it all just instantly, like I finally got my license like a month after I met her. Got a car like two months after I met her. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we moved into an apartment. Um, we got a couple dogs, you know, like everything since, you know, like she was definitely the catalyst. Um, just be, I think being complete there, you know, like I finally got okay with me, then finally got okay, like loving somebody else. And like, it's just, it honestly just been amazing, like nonstop, like upward cycle, you know, like marriage, like we said earlier, like I just found out four months ago, we're having a baby girl. Yeah, um, dude. What's Cecilia? What's that? Cecilia. Cecilia Marie, yep. That's such a pretty name. And so you guys are buying the house, you guys are doing all the things, and one thing that you had said when we uh, started discussing before what you thought was really important to you and the message that you thought would carry um, some weight to it was the fact that your family ties, and you went in a little bit into it with your mom, but you talked about your sisters too being... Mm -hmm. You know, estranged to say the least. More, more than just estranged, though, were pretty traumatized by everything you went through, and you've gotten to make that relationship better with them Definitely. as well. Yeah. Um, so my one sister, um, Jennifer, has just been was just always supportive. But she was like the one sister when I was getting loaded who didn't be like, she didn't like attack me. You know, she would just talk to me like as still like I was a human being. Like mm -hmm. you know, no, I. She was the only person that didn't talk at me for like my last couple of years there, and. You know through this journey she's been so supportive um you know just always be this always being there like i i went to um atlanta georgia or not yeah i went to georgia in january and like she lives in north carolina now and she like i had a rough you know amends that i had to make and and she came down and met me and like supported me through that you know and she's like one of my biggest fans and um you know she's just been like <clears throat> i'm here for a thing and like just like asking me how this was going this whole trip to Arizona all the time and like just unbelievably supportive and you touched on amends and I think it would be cool for the people listening because a lot of our listeners aren't in recovery yeah and that's kind of almost like jargon mm -hmm. you know when you say the word amends can you tell us a little bit about what an amends is like what does that mean to you um to me it just means um you know, going and admitting some things, some objectionable things that I did to a to another human being. Yeah. Um, not really saying I'm sorry, but just let them know that like that's not who I am today, and I would do anything to to make that right. And like, um, to me, it's like a contract. You know, whatever they say, I need to do to make it right. Like, be when I asked them that, I signed the contract. You know, so when they say the things, like they're signing the contract. 
yeah whatever that looks like it looks like yeah and you're signing it man I, I feel like it's a really powerful thing when people talk about making amends and whatever they're doing whether they're recovering from A, B, C, and D Definitely. right If even if it's from codependency yeah. essentially what you've done is you are solidifying the fact that you want to be a different person than you were then or or you don't want to commit those actions anymore or anything like that and so for your sisters do you uh, did you make amends to them yeah so that was um, yeah so I got a weird one with my other sister. So she's the one that her husband paid for me to go to rehab and it wasn't cheap. And, um, you know, they got a divorce and she started struggling. And um, a little bit over a year ago, she needed some help. So we, you know, through what was going on with her, it was hard to talk and stuff before that. But like when she needed help, like I stepped up and got her in contact with the people that could help her. Um, And now she's been sober for a year. Oh, so, that's uh, right. It's the ripple effect, dude. Yeah. That's beautiful. So, yeah, it's just been amazing. You know, it's just like constant things like that, you know? So what are you working on right now for you? Like, what do you have to grow in as a person still currently? So, you know, I'm, <clears throat> and you know, like we've been, I've been married to my wife for about a year, a little bit over a year, and um, we're having a baby. So, like, I'm just trying to figure out how to do all the things to take care of like the things that keep me this positive person, keep me the person that's going up. Um, balance that with being a husband, being with like, you know, going to be a dad, um, being an employee and just, you know, really seeking that balance in life Yeah, and not lose any of it in the process. How are you going to attack that? I have no idea. Yeah, I was hoping you would tell me. No, no, I was hoping you were just about to tell me. No, that's something you'll hear from a lot of people as they continue to grow in their life is that balance is just a really hard thing. And it's cool that you're touching on it right now. I know how to do it. Okay, go ahead. One day at a time. (laughs) Super helpful. Because you can take it two days at a time. You're really, really strong. Um, He's really hot. You know, he wasn't thinking. Right now. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, We're getting veggie burritos after this, huh? <laughs> so getting the house in order, doing all those things, is there something that you're looking forward to the most in everything that's coming down the ladder? Obviously the baby, huh? Yeah. I'm also an insane Miami Dolphins fan, so mm, the I'm so sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. But yeah, I just all like you know, I'm just trying to really be present in like just experience like like i want the baby to come out like she's due january 4th that's my birthday dude hell yeah holy shit i hope that baby's born on the fourth dude (laughs) that's tight as fuck because then you got christmas and then her birthday dude Woo! (laughs) well that's actually that's usually not too bad because you just kind of short on christmas a little bit right that's probably what i'd end up doing you have to yeah if you don't want her to end up as a drug addict you're gonna make sure you go fucking ham that was my problem um yeah man well i mean for you what does the daily ritual look like how are you staying so positive what are you doing in your life today to remain the person that you are and hoping to become instead of the person that you were and the person you don't want to be yeah, I think it's really about just just being present. Just you know, um, like if I'm a, when I'm at work, I'm an employee. When I'm at home, I try to be a husband. You know, and like it's hard. Like you know, sometimes it's hard. I'm on Facebook when I should be like rubbing my wife, my pregnant wife's shoulders and stuff like that. But yeah. like try to show up like that and just um, you know, just just be where I'm at. And uh, you know, when things come up that I have to deal with, I just try to to do the right thing and and keep it going forward and just you know like with her being pregnant like I really 
you know, like I, like I said, I, I want to meet my new daughter, but like at the same time, like this whole journey is like going to be an experience that I want to like remember mm-hmm. and uh, not just rush through. So like just trying to be there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any hobbies? Um, I mentioned that I was a Miami Dolphin fan. Yeah, football, dude. That's a, that's me and David. Chad's not on Fuck board. It. Hey, wrong podcast, boys. Wrong <laughs> podcast, dude. So, uh, yeah, you're a sports guy? Yeah. Anything else? Um, not too much. Yeah, I don't. You know, between recovery and being a husband and employee, like it's, it's kind of not too job. much. I, I used to love going to the gym, but I'm 41 now. So, like, I've had a few injuries the past few years, and that's kind of set back. Um but you know, like I don't know, just like I went, to, I went to see fish last week for like the first time in twenty years, and you know, I didn't sell any veggie burritos, but <laughs> <laughs> we're getting veggie burritos after that. <laughs> so you know, like that was cool, and just um, you know, like I'm open to anything. Like we go hiking occasionally. Like I'm not like this is my hobby, and I need to do it all the time. But like if something sounds cool, um, you know, check it out. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Well, I. Uh... I had some, I had a really good question. I'm trying to remember what it was. And I think that it had to do, oh yeah, you were talking about being 41 mm-hmm. and you had mentioned earlier that that was kind of something that you felt behind the eight ball on when you had recovered and you felt like you were doing things late. Yeah. You were like, you know, I feel like I'm doing things right now at 41 that I should have been doing in my twenties. Yeah. How are you working on that? Because I know for me, when I hear people say things like that, because I could say the same shit, man. Yeah. I got married at 30. You know, it's like, ah, I could have got married at 20. You know what I mean? Well, and, that would have been a dog shit idea. Well, yeah, especially when I was 20. But um, I can get down on myself and things like that. But I also hear guys, you know, who take the other side of that token over where it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's too late or it's too early. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like it's too late until that one day. You know what I mean? Or, or I mean, it, it's too early until that one day that it transitions into being too late. And so for you, are you, do you battle with that very often or is it just something that you've learned to accept and just push on? Because to me, you don't seem like you're too old for really anything that you're doing in your life. Yeah, But no, you had mentioned it. Yeah, I don't, I don't regret it or anything like that. I just, you know, like I'm really lucky that my wife uh, likes being with a very immature guy. Yeah. You know, like you guys mentioned, <laughs> I, I, I'm dressed like I'm 20. You're um, not, I mean, you dress like you're, th- you're 35, right, dude. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you dress like you're 41. I don't know how I'm going to dress when I'm 41. I'm sure I'll be wearing skate clothes. That's what I grew up in. Dude. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, don't, I don't like get down on myself or anything like that. It's just, it's super new and that's really cool. You know, like that I am 41, but I kind of feel younger just because I didn't experience all of this stuff when I was in my 20s you know, my twenties and I don't like beat myself up about the stuff I don't have. Um, I stay like just amazing. Like, like, I don't know. I view myself as like, I'm all on borrowed time here. Like I was, I was in a coma for four days, you know, like I was this close to death. So like being 41 and acting like I'm 25 is like a blessing. Like every, you know, I just try to treat everything in my life as an absolute miracle because I mean, it, it is. is. It absolutely <laughs> is. Absolutely, dude. Okay, well, synthesize for somebody listening. You know, if they're struggling with what you were going through, what's some good advice that you can give somebody? Um, just you know, don't give up hope. There, you know, like when I was like that, I just didn't think I was done. I didn't think there was ever a way out of how I was living. You know, it was just so miserable. And I, I would secretly like Google like how to not do heroin, but. Um, I never take any action on it. 
um, there wasn't a lot of hope there. But like, I think more than anything, like it is possible. Like heroin addicts do get well and stay well. So like, ask for help. There's, you know, especially now, you know, like there's with it being such a huge epidemic that also means that there's so much help out there. There's so many people that you know are ready to like meet you halfway and do whatever they can to help you. Um, so we're here, you know. Mm-hmm. Dude, I appreciate you coming on. I mean, what I heard when you were talking about everything you're going through, and we—I mean—we're similar. Yeah. You know, with I just got a house, my baby's on the way, my wife is seven months pregnant, and you're talking about balance and things like that. And I think for me, you know, you not having the answers makes me feel a little bit better. Thank God you weren't a <laughs> pro, and you would have been like, "Well, you need exactly three hours of this a week, or else it's gonna go kibosh." But I think that. Um, you know, you kind of hang on by the seat of your pants and you said, stay present. You know, that's a hard thing for even me. You know, I'm here now and I'm thinking about the things that I have to do in the future, things I got to go take care of right away. And like, honestly, I, I'm in a really good spot sitting in a room. It's a hot room. I mean, I don't want to be in a hot room with you guys anymore, but sitting in this room with you guys and hearing, uh, hearing you from New York kind of telling the same story and especially telling the same recovery story as me. So I appreciate you taking time out of your day, man, to come sit with us. And I know you're on a plane, what, in seven hours from now? Yep. So safe travels. Are you still in Saratoga Springs? Yep. I'm, yeah, I'm back in Saratoga Springs. And yeah. Is that where the, the house is going to be? Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we're still in the process of finding, locating the one we want. So it's where am I excited? Yeah, super excited. <laughs> my like, and that's cool too. Like, my sisters are like older and like in their forties and fifties, and like, you know, like being a new aunt to them is like super exciting because like they thought that was, you know, like something of the past. Like my other sister had two of my sisters had kids, and like, you know, they did that, and they're like teenagers, and like my one nephew is like twenty five years old. So like, it's just like super exciting for the whole family to like be able to go through this even later on. Yeah, especially with you. Yeah, you know, just being the blessing that you are. I mean, you were on a like you said, you're in a coma, man. And here you are now. It's the goddamn ripple effect, and we're gonna change the name of this podcast to the ripple effect, dude. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do, dude. Well, hey, Brian, thank you so much for coming out here and sitting in this fucking hot box with us, dude. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, to our followers, to our fans, to the to the loyal members of the matriarchy, we love you. <laughs> We love you so much, dude. Okay, Match. follows match dot com. <laughs> fucking yeah, call us. Follow dude. us Ring. on on Match. Instagram, dude. Last week out, you can follow me, Chudzy Wubzy, on Instagram, dude. But out e cigs promo code last week okay. out, mm-hmm. and you're gonna get what is that, Anthony? That's a big twenty percent off. That's a big two motherfucking zero, dude. And I love you, motherfuckers, dude. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>